the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and how sweet it is, as Jackie Gleason may have put it. Welcome back, Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. About last night, a few thoughts. First, who was it who pointed out earlier, it's worth repeating, boy, that white supremacist movement, particularly those inventing fake issues in education that show a fear of minorities in American history, they sure were successful last night when you stopped to think. Those white supremacists replaced a governor who wore a KKK hood with one who never has, elected the first black woman to statewide office, the number two position in the state, and put a Hispanic American into the attorney general's office. Good work, white supremacists. Second, a thought about all this business that this was done without Donald Trump. Well, I'm not so sure, but it's sure interesting that nobody is saying this was done without other formers like George W. Bush or nominees for the party like Mitt Romney or any other famous governor or senator coming out for Glenn Youngkin. Didn't happen. It's almost as interesting as the fact that all the newspapers and mainstream cable and news is celebrating a progressive female Asian as the mayor of Boston today while completely ignoring totally the beautiful story and success of Winsome Sears. What a great name, by the way, kind of like a character in a John Ford movie, you know? Ransom Stoddard, Winsome Sears. Third, about Trump not being there, but wasn't it Trump who endorsed Youngkin and whom Youngkin accepted the endorsement from? And isn't it Trump who showed that the culture matters? And though Barack Obama may want you to think they are fake and invented issues, they are not. Educating and raising your children in a wholesome and safe community, is not a cultural issue. It's the first duty of the polis. In book one of Aristotle's Politics, we learn that. If anything, these issues are of the most serious and important of political issues. The first political science put it this way in his book one, called The Politics. The views of good and evil, of just and unjust, and the like, and the association of living beings who have this sense, makes a family and a state. And then Aristotle Aristotle pointed out the import of creating such a state so that one can raise such a family that abides by those very things, good and evil, just and unjust. Or you can get it from Aristotle's pupil, excuse me, Aristotle's teacher, Aristotle's teacher, Plato, where in his Republic he shows how the first task of society is the education of children to mold their minds and characters, as he put it. Quote, shall we just carelessly allow children to hear any casual tales, which may be devised by casual persons, or to receive into their minds ideas for the most part the very opposite of those which should wish them to have when they grow up? Well, that's why parents in Virginia said no to the state taking away their input and desires in the education of their children. 
Which gets me to a fourth observation. You probably won't see this much on CNN or MSNBC, but did you know there was actually a chairman of the DNC, the Democratic National Committee? There is, and his name is Jamie Harrison. And last night he said on NBC, of course, after the required statement, the theopolitical forced profession of faith, that critical race theory is a fake issue taught only in law schools, he said this, exactly this, quote, It's sad to see where the Republican Party is going because they have become a party of fascism and fear. The head of the DNC, the Republicans are a party of fascism and fear. Color me surprised this can get said without a denunciation and flurry of emails and texts demanding a resignation. Has a GOP chairman ever called the opposition party communist? That was the stuff of Joe McCarthy, usually and universally, I thought, condemned for saying just that sort of thing. But also color me surprised Mr. Harrison thinks he knows something about fascism and fear. I actually do. One can start with Webster's Dictionary. It says this, quote, Fascism is an autocratic regime with severely authoritarian politics exercising regulation of industry, commerce, and finance, rigid censorship, and forcible oppression of opposition, close quote. Now, quick, remind me of the party that says parents should not have a say in their children's education. Remind me of the party that shut down schools on a whim and kept them shut down against all social, psychiatric, and medical science. Remind me of the party that shut down churches and synagogues. Remind me of the party that sent police to break up religious gatherings, unless the religion was to protest systemic racism en masse and in large congregate settings. Remind me of the party that says to disagree with it is to disagree with science. Remind me of the party that wants to put needles in your children's arms and masks on their faces. Remind me of the party that wanted to frighten the hell out of children over all of this. It est a disease that won't affect them very much or in any case more than the annual influenza. Remind me of the party that endowed and encouraged people to be afraid of the police. Remind me of the party that engages in censorship routinely and makes violent the atmosphere any conservative dares trod if it's an open college campus. Remind me of the party that wants to further regulate industry, commerce, and finance. But, you know, fascism is a funny thing in the mouths and thoughts of those who don't know very much or have nothing but reckless disregard for the truth. It's the buzzword of the moment. A decade ago, Republicans were extremists. That stopped working, so we became fascists, white supremacists, and racists, even as we unitedly tried to oppose the takeover of vast parts of our economy, even as we unitedly tried to elect the likes of Larry Elder and Winsome Sears and find it odd that whenever we try promoting promoting and supporting candidates who are racial minorities, they are called the black face of white supremacy. And worse, even as nobody in our party I can think of ever wore blackface or KKK hoods or tried to teach children that race determines thought and character or that some races are less worthy of respect than others or that some races are responsible for violence more than others. Fifth, perhaps the establishment of the GOP is out of step. Then again, I'm not sure what the establishment is anymore. The establishment is that who is in power or was most recently in power. And the moment Donald Trump became president, he should have been and by normal accounts would have constituted the establishment. But we know that scepter was never given to him. 
the people, it seems to me, are always ahead of the establishment. Newt Gingrich fought it in the party of the GOP to become the minority leader, which poised the 1994 taking back of Congress. Newt was condemned up and down the columns in that effort against the mainstream of the party. And Ronald Reagan did it before him, starting with 1976, where he challenged an incumbent Republican president. And in a three-minute extemporaneous speech had everyone realize they backed the wrong candidate in Jerry Ford after they did nominate him, paving the way for Ronald Reagan in 1980. And of course, the establishment did not see coming and did not like the Tea Party, but that party saved the country. They did not like and see Trump, and they did not like these cultural issues because of the phenomenon of conservative Stockholm Syndrome, which Chris Buskirk and I write about in our book, American Greatness. It's that unpacified feeling in too many conservatives and Republicans that they don't feel they're quite right and that the opposition might be right. It's a succumbing to the elites in the rest of the culture. It would explain why people and places are written off totally. Where was the National Party apparatus when Larry Elder ran in California? Where was the party apparatus in New Jersey? Now, as I still say this, a state's governor's race, still too close to call. Answer, nowheresville. And a little embarrassed to stand up and say I'm a proud conservative or Republican. Or even, can't these elites just bring themselves to say, I just back common sense and rising homelessness, mental health issues, poverty, crime, and lousy education outcomes are not good things. The culture wars, as I must repeat, are wars that we joined, not wars that we started. And it goes back all the way, perhaps, to Fort Sumter. Donald Trump most recently understood this more than anyone when in 2016 he spoke about jobs in America and drug use in America in the washed-out places of America, while Hillary Clinton sent the likes of Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen to these washed-out communities to talk about the environment, while calling those of us who cared about jobs and drugs deplorable. I guess that slander and slur didn't work for her either. So the Democrats learned something in 2020. Nominate the bedridden or someone who should be bedridden or someone who speaks and makes you want to be bedridden. Nominate a disguise, in other words. The so much the easier to hear and be heard and see and be seen by the establishment in both parties, never mind the rest of the elite culture. But beware, we were taught about this once as children, the way Plato thought we should be instructed. Grandmother, your voice sounds so odd. Is something the matter, she asked. Oh, I just have a touch of a cold, squeaked the wolf, adding a cough at the end to prove the point. But, Grandmother, what big ears you have, said Little Red Riding Hood as she had edged closer to the bed. The better to hear you with, my dear, replied the wolf. But, Grandmother, what big eyes you have, said Little Red Riding Hood. The better to see you with, my dear, replied the wolf. But, Grandmother, what big teeth you have, said Little Red Riding Hood, her voice quivering slightly. The better to eat you with, my dear, roared the wolf. And he leapt out of bed and began to chase the little girl. Can we beware the wolves, please, what other clothing they're in? They aren't caring people, and they aren't caring parents. They are those who want to eat those who care in order to satisfy their appetites. Well... Not today. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 
888-528-0960. Love your thoughts on what transpired in Virginia or any feedback you have on what I just said in my opening. 602-508-0960. We talked here uh, with a few different people, including David Schweikert, I think about a week ago. Uh, he'll be with us again today. But uh, David Schweikert, about a week ago, uh, with regard to that plan by the Biden administration to send out $450,000 reparations checks to children who were detained here under the Trump administration, who were detained here having crossed into the country illegally. You may have heard of this story. You may want to check your search engines and put in something like immigrant children, 450000 or 450k. You will see pretty much everyone covered this if not extensively, at least initially, from the Wall Street Journal to the Arizona Republic. Today, Peter Ducey over at Fox News asked Joe Biden about it. It was an interesting press conference Joe Biden did today. He held a press conference saying nothing about the Virginia elections until he was asked about it at the very end. It was all about vaccines. That is the theopolitical religion of this uh, of this government. But there was this little interesting um, tete-a-tete between uh, President Biden and uh, Peter Ducey. And let me see if I can play it for you. I, I think so, too. Uh, about the way forward, Mr. President, as you were leaving for your overseas trip, there were reports that were surfacing that your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? You guys keep sending that garbage out. Yeah. Hold it right there. You guys keep... So he's calling it a garbage report. Okay. But it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000 per person. Is that what you're saying? That was separated from a family member at the border under under the last administration. That's not going to happen. Okay, and then just a- that's not going to happen. Okay, well, I suppose that's relatively good news if you believe Joe Biden. But I don't know if you can. This sounds to me like the kind of thing people went scrambling over at the White House and the Department of Justice and in the Communications Department to fix somehow. We're not doing that, I'm sure, is what they were saying, scratching their heads. The ACLU, I was going to say it's the most misnamed organization in America, but it's not. It's among them. It's among them. The ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, issued a (laughs) hell of a statement today on President Biden's uh, denial that they're planning to send $450,000 checks to Illegal uh, immigrants. Quote, this is from the ACLU, but they put out a press release. Quote, President Biden may not have been fully briefed about the actions of his very own Justice Department as it is carefully deliberating and considering the crimes committed against thousands of families separated from their children as an international government policy. Anthony D. Romero, the executive director, said President Biden is still obligated to right the wrongs of this national tragedy. Well, that's the ACLU for you. They must know something Biden doesn't or Biden knows something they don't. 
Which is it? We'll find out. We'll find out. But God bless Peter Ducey and maybe one more out of 25 things so far this year that should have been a major news story. And tomorrow we will just have moved on from to take on something else. Mike is in Maricopa. Hello, Mike. Yes, good afternoon, Seth. Uh, real quick, I'd like to add to your what party list that you read in your model. Oh, yes. What party left, what party left Americans in Afghanistan? Yeah. Yep. Oh, and by the way, ACLU stands for Anti-Christian Litigation Union. Yeah, I've heard that before. That that's that's right. That's right. Uh, that that you, Mike, you and I could make a big list <laughs> of things that should have been the stories of the year. I think it's about twenty-five items right now that, in a different At world, least. would have been the story of the year. Yeah. Yep. It looked like the New York phone directory. It might, and I'll tell you, uh, one of the things that had me thinking about it with the list I did in my previous segment was when the head of the DNC uh, called us a party of fascism and fear. And that's what I was just thinking about, really, fascism and fear. Uh, if if you want to go by what fascism really is and what fear really is, I mean by their definitions, by their very definitions – I uh, I challenge I challenge a fair-minded person or anyone really to give me an example of Republican Party fascism and fear. I, however, can give you a 747 full of baggage of fear and fascism from the Democratic Party. Absolutely. God bless you, Seth. Thank Carry you. on. Later. You betcha. I appreciate it. Yeah, fascism is, quote, an autocratic regime with severely authoritarian politics exercising regulation of industry, commerce, and finance, rigid censorship, and forcible oppression of opposition, close quote. If you went up to a um, poli-sci college student or even maybe a high school student uh, or just someone who knows a little bit about politics and ideologies, just just, you know, enough to get by your basic understanding, and you said – what party, Republican or Democrat, wants to further regulate industry, commerce, and finance? What party engages in censorship of its opposition? And what party engages in the forcible oppression of its opposition? You know what answer you'd get. You know what answer you'd get. And it's not the Republican Party. And if someone says so, then I believe they are obligated or should be obliged to give us an example of it. I gave you several where it's the Democrats. Hardly any of that is really the issue. The real issue is the bigger strategy here, which is the leadership of the Democratic Party, the chairman of the Democratic National Committee, along with the Speaker of the House and all her committee chairs that routinely and continually referred to their opposition in the worst historical luridities we can imagine. We have never done that with them. Never. Not at least from our party leadership. You know why? Because we see them as our political opponents. They see us as their existential enemy. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 602-508-0960 is our number. If it's 34 past the hour, it's time for our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski. He is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. Grand Canyon Planning com is his easy to remember website and he has his radio show right here on this station every Saturday at 7 a.m the word on wealth JD what is the good word from you today happy Wednesday happy Wednesday thank you sir I'll take it uh, the Fed has uh, spoken um, mm-hmm. today and yeah. by the Fed I mean Jerome Powell right right um, and we were uh, anticipating that he was going to uh, testify and speak today. Uh, talk to me about what we learned, something about futures markets and bonds. What, what's okay. the big takeaway yep. here? So, of course, the Fed has been purchasing back the uh, bonds at a substantial rate each month, but they're going to be paring back on this. So this is something that has been talked about for you know quite a few months here. Uh, Fed Chair Powell has come out in his comments over time in his testimony stating that we're getting to a point to where they're going to stop purchasing these bonds, the Treasury bonds. And they're basically saying on a monthly basis they're going to be reducing the purchase of these bonds about $10 billion per month and about $5 billion less in mortgage-backed securities as well. So, And their goal is, is to taper until they're, they're at a point to where they feel the economy can sustain itself without creating this additional uh, liquidity for the markets. Also, interest rates they talked about. Uh, and raising rates. And the thought was is that the Fed may raise rates sooner than they initially thought. But from what they got out of this meeting, it seems like investors believe that, or Wall Street believes that, uh, the Fed probably will not raise rates until mid-2022. And what we saw happen, Seth, early in the day is the markets were a bit uh, just kind of uh, mixed, not doing much of anything. But as soon as the Fed chair spoke and they got a better understanding of where his head was at, uh, the markets began to pick up some head, head st- some steam, I should say, and uh, we did see a nice rally in the tech stocks today, which are very interest rate sensitive. And uh, it looks like a lot of this uh, is priced already into the market, and we saw a nice response from stocks today. Yeah, everything came up roses at the end, didn't mm-hmm. it? it did. I, even <laughs> this is part of a little bit of the culture and the economy, if I can. I noticed a small story. It's not the biggest deal in the world, perhaps, to everyone, but I thought it was interesting. I saw Fox, uh, Fox News Corporation uh, posted great uh, larger earnings, and even their um, even their 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 news affiliate increased seven percent. I thought it was interesting. Given all these purported boycotts of Fox News, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. I just it's, thought that was interesting. In it passing. seems like a lot of these uh, tactics are, are backfiring on a lot of these. Well, I, yeah, I think my own sense has been boycotts like this are really hard to do, but I think maybe some version of a reverse boycott, in my own definition of that term, right. may be more successful, where you flood companies mm-hmm. with business that you support. I yes. think those make bigger differences. I but, think, tentatively. And we're I think also that. seeing what in Virginia, right? We saw the mm-hmm. governor's race there. And I'm sure you're talking about this. And uh, I haven't heard about New Jersey yet. Have they come up with it? I, I, I think they're giving it to Murphy, the Democrat, no. right okay. now. But it's interesting. He comes within, what, 20,000 votes of winning with no national GOP apparatus to support right. the opposition. Mm-hmm. One wonders if uh, if a little bit more of that could have pushed it over the edge. But boy, without any national apparatus to come within something like 15,000 votes, and it'll mm-hmm. probably go to a recount anyway, but wow. Yeah. Well, I would say this is that, uh, and I was talking about this earlier with another colleague of mine, 
is, is we're seeing the markets again hitting all-time highs. A lot of people are out there concerned about the markets. They're concerned about the economy, concerned about the you know who's in the White House. A lot of lot of issues out there, and I understand all of that. But I would say this is that corporations have a way of managing through issues that they face. And uh, ultimately, their goal is is to figure out the best way for to make a profit. And we're seeing uh, earnings and profits, as you just mentioned, Fox News coming out and, and Fox also reporting um, positively on their earnings. So I, I hope that people are not in such fear about this that they're doing nothing like a deer in headlights. You need to be involved uh, and invested. And if you're concerned about that and, and where to invest, how to invest, uh, then pick up the phone and call me at yep. my Scottsdale office yep. in, uh, you know, here at Grand Canyon Planning. You can go to our website, Grand Canyon Planning. Dot com, and let's sit down and talk about it so that you could participate in some of this wonderful growth that we've seen. It's going to make a lot of people a little more comfortable in retirement, that's for darn sure. At least it has up to this point. J.D., perfectly stated. And I would say, again, there's always risk. Of course, there's always risk. Uh, always. Yes. But, you know, walking out your front door is risk. Yes. Yes. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic and an investment advisor at Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you so much, Seth. No problem, John Dombrowski. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. We are going to John. Hi, John. I think you got the father. The father. How are you? I am wa- I am on cloud nine. I am walking on sunshine over this Virginia thing. Yeah. So not only just what everybody when, sees. Winsome Sears and the waves, huh? I, I am I am just like I am so like literally I almost you know I am the OG the original parental rights protester I was doing it thirteen fourteen fifteen years before it was cool this is my subject and only in the last two years have I ever seen anybody to my left and right on it you know and to best of my knowledge this is the first election I've ever seen that we won on this issue and this is my issue. And I'm so happy. Like, I just, I'm in tears. I'm in joy. I want to hug everybody. Like, the tide is turning, you know? People finally woke up. People finally Finally. woke up, John, Father. I have to tell you, um, I I understand. I understand the, the emotion because finally, 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 you feel like you're not alone. Finally, 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 you feel like other people have been victimized as well and are saying there's a certain point beyond which we will not go. And that point was drawn at the point of our children and their brains and their bodies. And I, I absolutely believe, I hate to say it, but the silver lining to the China virus is that parents saw this on Zoom because nobody believed me until then ever Right on it. right. And I would like to tie this into something, too, you know, for for literally, again, for 15 years, whenever anybody asks me if I support reparations, I always say, yes, yes, I do. I support reparations for single fathers who wrongly had our children kidnapped from us, had vast amounts of money extorted to us unconstitutionally. I've been saying it for years. And to flip this and say the irony is now I hear a perverted version of my idea, but only for illegals coming out of the mouth of the president is just the height of irony, but it really 
Well, it's that it's that very kind of thing. You know what's interesting? Yeah. Well, what's interesting? What's interesting is everything the Democrats told us mattered in the race in Virginia wasn't brought up, wasn't campaigned on. Everything the Republicans said mattered is what was campaigned on. We owned the narrative because we finally woke up to the threat to our children. There are certain forms of there are certain forms of surrender. Adults do not have the moral right to declare in the presence of children. Hannah Arendt once said, "There are certain forms of surrender. Adults do not have the right, the moral right, to declare in the presence of our children, teaching them to be racists." teaching them to think racially, empowering them and teaching them about gender fluidity from the ages of five up should be one of them. All of it, all of it. Now, here's what's funny, and I got a kind of funny, I don't know if funny is the right word. Here's what's intriguing to me, and I got to think about it a little more, and maybe some of you or all of you can help me think it through as well. There's an old famous saying, and it is attributed to Tip O'Neill. I don't know if he was the first to say it. Remember Tip O'Neill, the Democrat Speaker of the House for so many years, particularly during the Reagan years, that all politics is local. Here's an irony of Virginia. Here's an irony. Loudoun County, which is ground zero for all these debates about critical race theory and what's being done with our children, including the issues of gender fluidity, if you want to put that in that basket of deplorable teaching, all of it. Here's what's interesting. Osra Nomani and all those people in Loudoun County, they lived in a blue county. It was a Loudoun County is Democratsville. So much so that even with the thumping that Terry McAuliffe took yesterday and the rest of the Democratic Party took in the state of Virginia, Loudoun County went for Terry McAuliffe. All of that. Now, when I told a friend of mine earlier about it, he goes, what? Yeah, so think about that for a moment. It makes its own sense initially that Loudoun County schools would even engage in this kind of junk thought. But, of course, in a highly bluer Democratic county, they would. What they didn't suspect was that they would be challenged because there were other people there, even political minorities there, who had a different view. And in this country, we're not a one-party state or a one-party country or one-party county. But in any event, my point is this. These brave parents from Loudoun County knew that what they were doing may not ultimately save Loudoun County, but it was an issue of not only statewide but national significance. All politics is local. That aphorism may need rethinking and revising. It may. It may. You can take a moral issue. You can take a, a, a serious issue. The education and healthy culture of our children is about the most moral and the most serious issue available. You can take it and illustrate the larger problem by using a local phenomenon, even if it won't inure to your benefit locally. 
So much so, these parents in Loudoun County who have been subject to all these verbal and other slings and arrows, so much so they deserve more credit for what they were doing. Think about it. Think about it. They put their names and their reputations and all of it on the line for something that they knew may or may not and likely would not affect them specifically. But boy, drawing attention and taking the attention nationally and applying it to that race in Virginia, such that education became, for the first time in a long time, one of the top issues, one of the top two issues of that which people voted on yesterday. When's the last time you saw education in that spot? Probably not since roughly 1992 is my best guess. Challenge to Republicans. With those Papa and Mama Bears in Loudoun County. With those Papa and Mama Bears in Loudoun County. And what they have shown and handed to us and instructed us on as messaging for the Republican Party and the conservative movement. We have one task to salute their bravery and their success in doing so. And that task is not only to salute them, but to carry the message forward and further. Forward and further. Let the DNC chairman lie all he wants that this crud isn't being taught in our schools. Let them. But for the rest of America, for those who lack the will to see things for what they really are, there's not anything quite so mystifying as the obvious. You know, last night, um, the chairman of the Democratic National Committee, uh, as I had mentioned earlier, Jamie Harrison, said that the Republican Party is the party of fascism and fear. Before he got there, he, of course, had to say the other profession of faith amongst the Democrats, quote, we know dog whistles when we hear them. We know dog whistles when we hear them. This dog whistle issue is an awfully interesting thing to me. Because you know what a dog whistle obviously is. Something only a dog can hear. I don't know if they're implying that we're dogs. But the funny thing is... I don't think we really need mysterious noises to understand what it is we're voting for and talking about. And if the left would only read and listen to us, they would know we're pretty clear and open about it. We don't need to speak or whistle in octaves unaccessible to the human ear, inaudible to the human ear. It seems the Democrats are the only ones hearing them. Seems the Democrats. But on this issue, Glenn Lowry had something to say. He, the professor of economics at Brown University. What did Glenn Lowry have to say about dog whistles? But, but I think that um, the narrative that we have, that these justice DAs that I was talking about all embrace, that the intellectuals who are in the Afro-American Studies Departments and 
were uh, winning the uh, the MacArthur Genius Awards and whatnot will put in their books um, is that there's somehow you know a uh, get out of moral responsibility free card implicit in the uh, evocation of racism. And, uh, and, and I think that that's a terrible thing. Uh, it's a terrible thing, not only for the public policy outcome, but it's, it's a moral surrender. And I'm just going to say this. The vicious murderers who were taking black lives in the thousands on the streets of American cities are despicable. Their behavior is absolutely contemptible. It should be possible to run a political campaign against them. The fact that they are vastly disproportionately black severely limits the willingness of responsible black leaders to condemn this pathology within our own community. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how that sounded. I know how terrible it sounds, but that's precisely the point that I'm trying to underscore here. Without using a dog whistle. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.